scripture memory verse tonight, Luke 21, 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things that are, are going to come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 36. Added a couple words there, huh? Did I add a word? I thought I had at least one word. Anybody else want to try it? I will. Go. Luke 21, 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape these things that will come to pass and, and to stand before the Son of Man. Good job. Now listen, see, because you started out saying, I just can't get these. And this is, I, I want to make sure we make a point. This is when you apply your heart to something, you pray about it, and you stay after it. Look at this. this that's a huge verse. And she had it memorized before I even knew what the address was of it. And she memorized another one, 2036. And it wasn't even the right one. But think about this, because I've had other people that come and they go, I can't remember no verses. And then after you apply, it's so amazing that when you draw near to God, he draws near to you, and he will teach you his <coughs> word. So good job. And anybody else want to try? Luke twenty-one thirty-six. Watch therefore, pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. That will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. I think I said shall instead of will because in the King James it's shall. And I think that's where I thought I messed up. Go ahead. Anybody else? Good job, Mike. Luke 21 36. Watch therefore and pray always. That you, hold on, may, may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke twenty-one thirty-six. Good job. Anybody else? Anybody want to read it? Anybody want to do it? Luke 21, 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 36. Good job. Anybody else? <clears throat> Luke 21, 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21:36. Good job. Well, obviously, as we look at this, therefore, watch therefore, that means you always look back to see what it's there for. Anytime there's a therefore. So there's something that you need to look back upon 
find out what you're watching for. Obviously, he says these things that will or shall come to pass. Listen, there's not a question whether the will of God will come to pass. These things are going to come to pass. The question is, is when? The question is, is how? The interpretation of this whole chapter uh, has got some different opinions about what's going on. I'm going to do quickly the whole chapter. I, and, and seriously, I mean quickly, because I'm not going to try to convince you of any point or any place. I just want to make a few observations and at the same time read through uh, all of this, because actually you need several weeks, I think, to actually cover this. And you need to bring in, you know, Revelation, and you need to bring in a lot of different things to tie it together if you want to win an argument. I'm not trying to win an argument. Um, I want to talk to you about your heart. And I think that's what it is when, when Christ would say to watch therefore and pray always. You know, he's telling us some specific things about things that are going to happen. And he wants us to watch and pray about it so that we're not lost. And so it actually ties all the way back in. If you try to just go a couple verses up, you're not going to get context. you got to go all the way to the front. you got to know that this is in the last week of Christ's life. It's in a week called the week of questioning. Uh, it's the week that Exodus 12 would have you examining the lamb to see if he's worthy to be a lamb, to, 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 to be killed and, and shared and fellowshiped over within your family and then put the blood on the doorpost of your house. And they're questioning him. And it's the week of questioning. And he's in Jerusalem. He's with his boys. Uh, the disciples are there, and they're sitting here, and it says in 21.1, we'll try to get some context, and he looked up. Listen, that's always a great place to look. Listen to me. We can stop right there. Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Listen to me. Look up. See, people are looking down. People are looking here across the horizon. Look up. That's where our help comes from. And he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasure. Listen, this is God on earth with us. He sees everything. And he knows what they're doing, no matter who it is and why, the motive of their heart. And he's getting ready to tell us about the motive of the heart. And that's why I say, what is our heart? Why are we watching therefore? Why are we praying always? What are we looking to do? Where's our heart and eyes looking at? Very important when you start to look at the rest of the text. And we'll get to that in a minute. So they're in the treasury. Um, I think it's in the uh, women's court, but I'm not positive. Don't quote me on that. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. I think it's uh, takes 16 mites to make a penny. So this is like an eighth of a penny. Uh, and I've been trying to keep moving, and I need to get my brain going where I will move faster. So, so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. Think about that for a minute, because they're, the, the disciples are here, 12 disciples with him, maybe other people that are listening. And he's saying to them, as they all watch, some people putting money into, and I don't know if you guys know, but they had these trumpets blowing your own horn and they would put drop coins in and they had these horns that they would wind all the way down and they'd make noise 
So you can hear how much somebody was doing is what they say. You'd be able to hear it. You'd be able to see it. And we got churches that are performing like that today in how they give. They're walking down front. They want everybody to see what they're doing. And really, that is just all religion. It's just all religion. You're supposed to do what you do in secret. You're supposed to do what you do in your heart, and God rewards you. And we're not looking to toot our own horn, which is what this was about. Verse 4. For all these out of the abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of the poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Now think about that. You know, the, the Bible actually tells us, and it might be first uses for this, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speak. It's the overflow. So the rich were putting in out of their abundance. The rich were putting in out, and, and like out of your leftovers. See, God wants the first fruit. God wants all. But it's almost like giving out of your leftovers. I've already did everything I want to do. I might as well give some to God. God wants it first because a, a life with God, a life surrendered to God, a life that's watching therefore and praying to escape is a life that trusts God and is dependent upon God and is not worried about the other. Now, we're not slothful in taking care of the other, but we give God the first fruits of our lives, not out of the abundance not out of the overflow, not let's give him the leftovers. I used to work for uh, a place that took donations and had a store, and, and I'm not going to say the name, but, but people always wanted a big receipt for their junk. They bring broken everything into the, and wanted a receipt like they were given great stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe these people would literally give all this broken stuff to God like it was good stuff and then want to claim it on taxes. And that's why when we used to do our rummage sale, people would get mad at me because I'd always say, don't clean your garage out and bring your broken stuff. Don't give your broken stuff to God. So anyway, uh, it, it, the woman comes, the widow's mites is what we call this, poor widow mites. She gave out of the poverty of her heart, and she gave, um, she gave all. Uh, punery is the word in the King's James. Out of her lack, uh, that which is behind, out of her want, she wanted to be right with God. Out of her want, that she had, she had nothing to lose. Maybe is the way one person would put it. But she wanted a relationship with God. And the reason he says she gave all is because what did it cost her to give the only two mites she had? What did it cost her to give everything? She had to trust God. When you give everything to God, you have to put it all, your, all your eggs in one basket and trust God. I think it's very important to what we see today in the church, and I'm not picking on God's bride, is so many people that hedge their bets, and they want God to perform for them, and they pray because of what they want. They go to church because of what they get. They were looking to win and influence friends or looking to do something that makes them feel good instead of have a love relationship with God and giving their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength to God, everything to God. And that's why it's so important to say pray always. See, prayer is a place of dependency. If we're still living in our own esteem and our own resources and we're not taking everything to God in prayer, then we're not really trusting God. We're saying, I got this, God. This is the little things. Listen, there is nothing in your life that is big to God. There's absolutely nothing that's big to God. And so if you say, I got this, Lord, I'll bring the big things to you, you've got a problem with what God you're serving. You don't understand 
that nothing in your life is big with God. He knows all about it already. He wants to have a relationship. He wants to discuss it. He wants to give you wisdom and how to deal with it. He wants to provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. And, and, and so uh, most people will say um, the rich, it didn't cost them anything to give because they gave out of their abundance, their leftovers. But the woman, it cost her everything. And that's an important thing. What, what, what is your relationship with God costing you? What is when you volunteer, what does it cost you? When, when you do what you do, what is it costing you? Is there a price paid to it? Because Jesus gave all. God gave his only begotten son because he was so concerned with redeeming that which was lost. He came to seek and to find that which was lost. And he gave everything to do that. He's given everything. He can't give any more. We sing songs oftentimes. I know I'm, I'm staying on this. I want to. Uh, we sing songs, I want more, I want more. God can't give any more. The only way to get any more is to pray more, to surrender more, to trust more, to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, help me to stop giving out of religion. Help me to stop doing out of religion. Help me to stop reading out of religion. Help me to stop sharing out of religion and to begin to be led by your spirit and be transformed into your image for your glory for such a time as this. And it's a relationship where you understand there's nothing going on in your life or ever in your life that was out of control. Sovereignly, God knew it. It doesn't mean that he liked it. Doesn't mean that he wanted it to happen or planned it to happen, but he allowed it to sow the fabric of your life so that all things that the devil meant for bad, he would use for good. And when you come to know him in the right way, you will develop and understand, wow, he's trying to get me across the finish line and I'm just trying to pay for my car. He's trying to get me across the finish line and I'm just trying to impress so-and-so to make them think that I'm so-and-so. And listen, God already knows. So when we do what we do, why do we do what we do? When we pray and we, we watch, therefore, and, and we're wanting to escape, why? Is it for fire insurance? Or is it because God gave it everything for us? And we understand that what is going on is a demonic realm trying to deceive. And God has given them permission to go to a boundary of deception. And so many people are deceived because of that permission, but it's because they want to give out of their abundance and not be fully dependent upon God. And when you're not fully dependent upon God, you will follow the lies and dictates of your own heart. Oh yeah, the devil is sowing them everywhere. He's putting them on the nightly news, but you're following what you like. You're doing what you want. You're not being deceived except for self-deception when that happens because the offer is there to come and surrender completely the offer is there that i love you with a never-ending love the offer is there is that you can be counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming to pass make no mistake they're coming to pass they're not going to be here forever there's going to be a day when we will be with god forever and ever and ever and we can't even understand or fathom it and so there, that day is coming. So why are we doing what we do? That's the motive of the heart. Some gave all. And understood. And knew they had nothing. 
that was going to help them. Listen, there's so many people that think, well, my education, well, my this, well, my that, well, this. I better hang on to this. And I better keep. Listen, we got nothing to offer God. <clears throat> nothing. Why would he want? Why would he want some earthly, central, demonic wisdom that we got picked up along the way? Why would the God who has all the wisdom and why would he want some of our earthly, central, demonic wisdom? Why would he want our rotting flesh? Why would he want anything that we think we have from down here when everything that we need is to look up? It's all up there where our citizenship is at. And that's where he wants to take us if we'll surrender. And we can actually live there now. I believe that. Breathing the air of heaven. Walking in the newness of life. Sharing that freshness in relationship. Understanding. I mean, I remember when I was a young Christian and a guy... I went, I, I forget what I was doing. What was I doing? I don't know what I was doing. I was doing something. I went down to the old building, and this, this uh, uh, guy come in that planted Hispanic <coughs> churches, Hispanic Baptist churches, and something happened, and we were talking, and he said, well, i got to go, so let's pray. And he prayed, and I'm like, man, we're in the throne room. Anyway. I was like freaking out. And then it, it turned out to be Joe Kaufman's uh, grandpa, and then he died a few weeks later. But this guy was praying, and we were in the throne room. I'm just telling you. Because he knew his God. And when you know your God and you're praying, you can just say, amen. There's no reason for anybody else to pray. Just, just pray and let's go. Let's get this done. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't know where that even came from. I just remember that. Because God brings people into your life that should impact you if you let them. They can, they can change the way you look at God. Let's see, where were we? So um, what's it costing you to give your life? Think about that for a minute. Because our life is, I mean, it's dead. It's going to hell. It's going to burn in fire. And you can just surrender and allow him to fill you with his Holy Spirit and use you and be privileged to be a part of his kingdom, to be one of his children. And there, oh, where am I at? I almost started in the 25. He went from 1 to 25. He's moving fast. <laughs> Verse 5. Then as some spoke of the temple, so they're sitting there talking about the temple because of just the beauty and the magnificence of it, gold and gleaming, might mean new day sun, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations. He said, listen, verse 6, these things which you see with your physical eyes, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Notice where they're going. Thrown down. It's all going to burn one day. It actually happened uh, in AD 70 when uh, Nero burnt Rome and Titus come in and they ended up actually using these stones and, and they, they burn them up and then they collapsed them and they moved them and they made a walk bridge and they pulled all the gold out of it. I mean, it was totally decimated. Anyway, so they ask, listen, it's going to happen. Verse 6, thrown down. Verse 7, what should we do? We should be looking up and asking some questions. So they asked him, don't ask somebody else. Hey, it's okay to get counsel from people that know the Bible, but be careful who you're asking. They asked Jesus, the one who knows all things, saying, teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? Now, notice the context of the sentence. When will these things be? And what's the sign 
when they're about to take place. See, because you don't need a sign if they're taking place and they're on top of you. But what can we look for that will be a precursor that will help us see that they're about to take place, right? And man, you're talking to God here in the flesh. And what does he say to them? How does he answer them? And this is where you and I, and I, I, that's why I like to be here. That's why I went all the way back to verse 1. He says, take heed, verse 8. This is your new beginning. Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. See, many is going to come and say, we represent Christ. We're in his name, his character, his nature, and his authority. You should listen to the direction we're giving you. But I'm telling you, you need to hear what the Spirit would say to the church, not what the many, because the first thing he adds to this sentence about not being deceived is that people are going to come and tell you other ways to live and to go. Don't go after them. Don't go after them. And we see it on the landscape today where people are trying to save the world and save the nation and they're trying to save everything instead of trying to live for God and save souls. So deceived, planeo, right? Do you remember this word, planeo? Where's it at? I thought I had it. Planeo, cause to roam from Safety, truth, or virtue. That is the enemy trying to steal your inheritance. These boys are all saved. They're all following Jesus. They're, they've been chosen from the back of the line. They weren't accepted in Hebrew high. And they were looking for a teacher, for a master. That's what people did in those days. And he says... Be careful that no one causes you to roam from safety, truth, or virtue, or to go astray and seduce you to wander away. It means to be out of the way. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? Following Jesus means to be in the way with him. And then the enemy comes and everything else comes. And all these things that say, hey, we're following Jesus. Follow after us while we follow Jesus. And they seduce you to wander out of the way and follow something that's fleshly, that's demonic, that's wrong. When Jesus is the only one you can follow. And, and as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God, right? So be careful, see, because there's a lot of things going on. Listen, there is a ton of things going on. Things are moving so fast. It is insane. You don't know what the next thing is. And then they even reduced them to, uh, to a whole bunch of little bitty three-minute seg bites to where you go, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and now it's moving really, really fast. I don't know if you guys remember. What is that uh, evil toy from China? Uh, what's that game? They got all the cards and they got the evil characters. and Pokemon. They have really evil Pokemon that makes kids sick with the cartoons because it's moving so fast and everything's going so quick. And that way they can get you. So it's, it's like the salesman selling windows. You got to do it right now. You got to do it right now. This is a great deal. If you do it right now, in the next five minutes, we'll take $3,000 off. Just sign up right now. And all of a sudden you bought some windows. You didn't need windows. You bought them from the last salesman. But you've been deceived into buying them and led away from safety. Listen to me. There's a reason why it's moving that quick. 
Because we're supposed to be waiting upon the Lord. We're supposed to be patient. He's going to say in a minute, with patience, possess your soul. He's going to say, be, be calm. You ain't going to be freaking out. We're already in the boat. We're safe. We don't have to have anybody come that's deceiving us. We already know the Lord and Savior. Be real careful what you're signing up for. Because there's a lot of good talkers out there. So anyway, just notice that. Because now we're going to go through a list. And this list is things that happened in A.D. 70. It's things that are going to happen again. It's things that are, some of them are dual. And some of them, you go, what is going on here? Some of them are going to happen after the church is gone during the tribulation, I believe. This is my opinion. But he's given all of them in a line all at the same time in the same discourse of everything that's going to happen. I think it's verse 27 where it all ends at. Is that correct? <clears throat> 27. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. Yes, that's where it all ends at. But that's where it ends at. All this other stuff's going to happen in between this, that and the second coming. And the first thing is going to be the whole temple is going to be thrown down. So he says, listen, listen, there's a lot of questions you have. But the number one thing you don't want to be is deceived from following Jesus. Planeo, seduced by your own affections, your own mind, your own heart, your own ways. I like this. I want to follow this. It sounds good to me. It lines up with what I want to do. See what I mean? That's what self-deception is. You can go by emotions and feelings and what I want to do, or you can go by what Jesus says to do. Because you, if you're in Christ, you're already counted worthy to escape because of Him. We're already accepted in the Beloved because of Him. So don't be deceived into wandering off thinking just because you said a prayer, you're good, you can do whatever you want. That's one of the big things that people are saying that are coming in his name. You're good. It's just not a nice thing to tell people. It's deception. Verse 9. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. These things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Listen, listen, the devil fights with fear. He wants you to be terrified. He wants you to be pushed in and to follow and run real quick with everybody else in mob mentality because the fear and, and, and we're terrified and we have to listen to somebody who has authority. No, you already are in the family of God and he has all authority. That's what his name is about. His character, his nature, his will, his authority. But people want you to listen to some other authority. And I'm not preaching that you would go out and fight against everybody. That's not what I'm saying. Just listen. You don't have to be terrified. You don't have to fear anything. And if you're going to fear, fear him who can kill the body and cast the soul into hell. Don't fear somebody that can just hurt you. Don't fear somebody that has no power other than what you give them when you are afraid of them. Learn your identity. But they're going to come. Wars and commotions. I think that might speak of what happened in that time. Nero burnt down Rome as he played a violin, they say, and 
in, in uh, secular history, and then he blamed it all on the Christians so that they could start rounding up the Christians. Many people believe that Paul, who was in jail at the time, he got to share with Nero, and then they, the people, I think it's Josephus is one of them, he's a historian, writes down that it seemed like Nero went crazy or became demon-possessed, and then he burnt down Rome because he really wanted to make a name for himself. He didn't want to follow the name of Jesus, who was perfectly shared with him, so he wants to make a name for himself. You see it, again, I... I I just tell you, you see it in the culture today. They want to tear down stuff and make a name for themselves, so they want to build their own big buildings. And that's why he burnt Rome down, is because he wanted to build some big buildings that would represent him. That, that when he was gone, it would, they would say, look what Nero has done. And so he blamed it on the Christians. He went crazy or became demon-possessed, is what I would say. And then he began to round up Christians and to kill them and to martyr them and they would die. They kept saying, worship me, or say that Nero's God, or you're going to die. And uh, there's other books that write about this. It's a pretty evil stuff where they killed um, hundreds of thousands of Christians, much like you see with the Holocaust. Lots of the same things that went on because it is demonic. Uh, but listen, notice the terrifying it's fear, fear, uh, terrified through the idea of causing to fall, the idea of causing to fly away or to scare or frighten, run from what you know to be true. That's what the devil uses fear from. Remember original sin? They hid themselves and God said, hey, uh, uh, Adam, where are you? We were afraid and we hid ourselves. Afraid of God? And then now we're all the way to hating him without a cause when he's here to redeem us and to save us because we don't understand what he's doing and the work that he's doing. Uh, verse 10. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from the heaven." But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you and delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Now listen, and I'm going to stop there. We'll come back to 13. Um, the the beauty is, is that God's telling us everything that's going to happen. And he's saying, no matter what it is, don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. And understand that it's going to turn out for you as a reason to give testimony. <clears throat> that's what it's all about. Because it's changing our heart. No matter what the good, bad, the indifferent, everything that's going on in your life is to transform you into the image of God. And then you know the truth, so now you can give a testimony. You're trusting the Holy Spirit. So listen, I don't care what's going on. I got pulled over on the way here tonight. I got, I got pulled over. I'm like, oh, I think I just got pulled over for talking on the phone. It's against the law, so I probably did it wrong. And actually, I was driving on the white line, and I was able to give a testimony to the police officer again, which is what I always do. I always give him my testimony. I always tell him about Jesus. So it doesn't matter 
what the problem was. The, the problem, don't be so terrified and scared that you forget to share Jesus. See, that's what the enemy wants, is that we'll be so caught up and entangled and deceived and confused and terrified is that we don't remember that the person that we're talking to needs to know Jesus. That's just it. That's why we're here. Witnesses. So nation will rise against nation. Now listen, that happened then, it's happening now. The word for nations is ethnos. Listen to this. We need to understand this. I know you guys, you might know this. You're a Berean. I've circled a couple words here. I know we got a whole bunch to go to, but I circled a couple words, and this one here is one of them. Ethnos means races. As of the same habit is what it is. A tribe, uh, uh, and it's all foreigners, not Jewish. So it can also mean Gentiles. See, because it's all foreigners, and it's and this is what it's talking about is is the pagan nation, the Gentiles. Listen, but listen to this. If you want to take it in and bring it into today's culture, not not just ethnos and ethnos, not just race baiting in the street, not just CRT, not those things. But listen to this. It's multitude of individuals of the same nature. So if they're living in the sin nature and we're trying to live in the new nature, then the sin nature is going to be against the others. They want lawlessness to abound, and we want them to know you don't have to hate God. But anyway, even just the racism in the streets where they try to fight you, and it's not really the word for nation. It's tribe against tribe or race against race. Ethnos, or where we get the word ethnicities against ethnicities. That's the important part. That's why somebody would say, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. You know, And I don't even want to bring politics into it. But I'm just telling you, you say, when, when you're thinking about ethnicities and, and, and sin nature and, 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 and trying to manipulate and make people fearful, you say dumb stuff like that. To try to convince people. So, uh, this is going to happen. Uh, a kingdom is a royalty or a realm or a royal power or a dominion. Dominion against dominions. And, and, and even the enemy is divided, so he'll fight himself um, at times. Um, where are we at then? These are going to happen. Fearful sights, great signs from the heaven, pestilences, earthquakes, famines. They're going to come, but don't be, it's not immediately then. But before, verse 12, all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and the prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Because they hated me, they will hate you. All of, all of these that are sitting here listening to him died for their faith except for Judas. Judas died for silver. Judas died for his own heart. But all the rest of them, except for John, the revelator. And it's a type of, John means God's gracious gift. It's a type of grace where John didn't die because grace is still here. John died of a good old age in, in uh, uh, Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, where it's all Muslim now. And if you're a Christian, you can't get a job. You can't get an education. There's lots of things you can't do in these other countries if you're not the right ethnos or the right uh, religion.
but notice verse 13, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Do you ever look at things as an occasion for testimony? Or do you kick your car when you get a flat tire? Man, you get a call, a wrecker, and talk to somebody that might not know Jesus. Do you, do you kick the car and throw a fit and when things break down or when the furnace isn't working? It's an opportunity to share with a repair guy. Think about that. Everything that you're doing. Man, what in the world? What do you mean go to the store and get some milk? We're having supper and we don't have any milk to make the potatoes. It's an opportunity. Who are you going to run into? Who do you get to share with at that time? Because God is on the throne. This is talking about persecution, but I'm just telling you guys, everywhere you go is an opportunity to give testimony of Jesus. And he already says you don't even have to listen. Listen, this is something you settle in your heart. You don't have to make up your mind what you're going to say. Therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand. I'm going to make up what I want to say. I'm going to have this figured out. I'm going to have an iron plate. I'm going to have an answer for it. No, no, no. On some have compassion, others save with fear, hating even the garment uh, uh, defiled by the flesh. And you want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Each person that you meet, the Holy Spirit already knows what they need. You don't have to meditate on it. Just, just abide in the vine. Just walk with the Lord. Just trust Him and don't be terrified or afraid. So settle it in your hearts that you're just going to be a witness. Uh, you don't have to worry about what you're going to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. I always think of Stephen. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle his wisdom. It's Acts chapter 7, 8. 7 and 8. He's actually mentioned in 6, but 6, 7, and 8. And, uh, the synagogues of the freedmen, they're like, this dude, just lock him up. And they end up stoning him and killing him because they could not refute any of his wisdom. And he knew that he knew all the history uh, and, and could give it to you. What did he give it? One chapter, 56 verses or something? I don't even know how many verses it is. It's pretty long. And they gnash their teeth at him. And, 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 and Paul's holding the coach as they throw stones and kill him. The Spirit always knows what to say and how to answer. Are you praying about it? 16. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Now, I believe that happened in AD 70. I believe it happened during Nero's time. I believe it's going to happen again. I believe it's most definitely going to happen again. Most definitely with our woke culture and the things that are going on. Um, these things are going to be happening. 17. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. They hated him. They'll hate us. They hate him without a cause. We talked about this Sunday. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. Isn't that an interesting statement? I don't have any hair. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, not a hair of your head will be lost. It will not perish. Even when your hair falls out, God's going to bring all things back together. He knows how many hairs are on your head. If one's a number, so don't be looking at my head. One's a number. It's on the number line. So is zero. I got one. <laughs> if I had zero, we could be talking about zero. We're not talking about zero. We're talking about one. Nothing's going to be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. 
verse 19. Patience, uh, hupomone. In your patience, possess your souls. Cheerful, hopeful endurance. Listen, that's joy. Be cheerful. Be hopeful. Know that God is coming to get us. Know that not a hair on our head is going to be lost. Know that he's in full control. He knows what he's doing. You can trust him completely. That's the thing that you have to understand. Even if it hurts, even if it's painful, even if it's bad, God knows what he's doing. Even with death and loss, he knows what he's doing. And you can be cheerful, hopeful, you can endure, and you can be steadfast. That's another thing that this word patience could have been. Be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Uh, possess your soul or obtain your soul, purchase your soul. It could be translated. Where are we at? 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded, now I think this begins to talk about future. Uh, I do know that it was destroyed uh, but it says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, listen, God's drawing them all to the Middle East now. Know that its desolation is near. Not talking about the temple now, he's talking about Jerusalem. See, he was talking about the temple being thrown down. Now he's talking about Jerusalem. Teaching peace is coming near. It's near, not over, near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. There's three different places people were at. And he says specifically about them. If you're in Judea, flee. If you're in the midst or the middle. Let me give you a word on that. If you're in the middle or in the way. 21 says, depart out of her. What did I say, 21? What did I say, 21? Is it verse 21? Yeah. Let those who are in the middle of her depart. It means to remove from her, to flee. It's the only place this word is used anywhere in the Bible. Um. I'm going to keep moving. And then nobody else go and enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. So he's telling us what it is, the days of vengeance. So that's why I believe it's futuristic. I believe it's the after, I believe it's the tribulation. I believe it's after the rapture of the church. In fact, I believe that mist. Those that are in the midst, that are in the way, those that are, I believe they're the ones that's going to be taken out. But that's just my opinion. I, I, I don't know. What I, what I do want to tell you, no matter what you're reading in the Bible, no matter what you're going through in the Bible, no matter what you're studying in the Bible, is do not be deceived. And don't follow after some other name. Be led by the Holy Spirit and stay in the Word. He's going to take us out. He's, he's saying, pray that you'll be counted worthy to escape these things. So if he's telling you to be counted worthy and be ready to go and escape these things, that means you're not going to go through them. That's all I'm telling you. If you're worthy, and we're worthy in Christ. But many that don't have a relationship with Christ are not 
walking with Christ, waiting for Christ, working with Christ. They're not doing what they should be doing. And they're not going to be counted worthy to escape these things. In fact, he says, I counsel you, or it's Revelation 3, to buy from me gold refined in the fire. He counsels them what to do. And if they don't, he says, I'll cast you or I'll throw you into great tribulation. And I believe that that's what will happen to people who are not listening and following and obeying. Does that mean they will not be saved? No. No, it does not mean they will not be saved. He just says they're going to go through more than others. That's my opinion. It's my opinion. I'll say it's my opinion. But the number one thing with my opinion is, is do not be deceived. You understand me? Don't be deceived. Because that's what Jesus' point is. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people speaking. There's a lot of people telling you what the Bible might reflect or mean in certain areas. But you need to make sure you're studying to show yourself approval, workman unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to make sure that you're doing what you should be doing to possess your soul. Christ has already did everything he can to give you salvation. Don't be seduced to walk away from that great salvation because there's no other Messiah coming. And if people couldn't do it, then the book of Hebrews wouldn't be in the Bible because that's the only reason Hebrews is written is for a bunch of Jews that were trying to walk away from Jesus. And Paul's trying to convince them, in my opinion, Paul's trying to convince them there's nobody else coming. And if you reject such a great salvation, you'll perish. It's impossible to renew somebody that rejects this salvation because there's no other Messiah. Let me get back to this. So, um, God is one day, I mean, he's a loving God and he's a just God, and one day he's going to pour out his wrath. There's going to be the vengeance. It's going to be fulfilled. It's going to be crammed full, is what that word means, fully supplied. It's going to be done, the word fulfilled there. Everything will be fulfilled Pleroma, I think it's what it is, isn't it? It means to level up, to furnish, supply, to accomplish. Um, yeah, I think it's Pleroma, but I don't have it on there. Twenty-three. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distresses in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, some people say that the times of Gentiles were fulfilled in 1967 when Jerusalem was regained. Some people say that, that May 14, 1948, when Israel became a sovereign nation again, that, that this is over. I, I think the times of the Gentiles is the age of the Gentiles that we're still living in. It's a time where God is giving Gentiles salvation. He's given everybody a chance of salvation. That's just my opinion. I don't know that Gentiles are not in Jerusalem now, so it can't be fulfilled now. I mean, we just moved even uh, 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 the American embassy there a few years ago to, to Jerusalem. And it's really ugly in Jerusalem. It's really ugly in Israel. And I'm not talking, I mean, it's just a secular people. They don't have a Messiah. They're playing religion. I'm not picking on them. We need them to, to be jealous of us because we're serving their God. We're serving their God. And they're not. 
they're trying to rebuild a temple and keep and they're getting ready to choose the Antichrist and again it says and they will be led away captive into all ethnos that's ethnos again uh, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled uh, I don't believe the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled personally and there will be signs in the sun and I think this goes uh, all the way into Joel it goes all the way into Acts chapter uh, uh, 3 I think this is again futuristic and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth distresses of nation with perplexities the seas and the waves roaring men's hearts failing this is from fear man's hearts failing from fear let me find a word I have for that It means to breathe out or to faint or to expire the breath of life gone from them, to swoon away from just fear. See, and we don't understand. I mean, that's why they're bringing fear upon us. That's why they want you to fear man. They want you to fear COVID. They want you to fear the bomb. They want you to fear Russia. They want you to fear the next thing. And they control you. So hearts failing from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken um, I would tell you that that's a, that's a reference to Satan kicked out for good uh, then they will see the son of man coming in the cloud with power and great glory that's the second coming that's how it ends up verse 28 now when these things begin, notice the, notice the context, when you begin to see these things, and when they begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws nigh. That's what I want you to see, is that we don't have to worry about those things happening, but listen, we know they're happening. Never before has there been so many signs. Everything becomes a sign. Everything is going on. And people are like, yeah, but where's my phone? Don't they have a new phone that they just came out with? I need to get that. Uh, I need to get a new phone. Don't you realize that we're at the end of the age? It's not one sign a day. Everything becomes a sign. Everything that's going on, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, the Lord is speaking to us. And we know that they began to happen, but now they're happening moment by moment so are you looking up are you lifting up your heads look here's what it means it means to rise it's not time to sleep it's time to get up it's time to wake up lift up your head look up take up raise up that's what he's saying here it's not time to go, oh, I'm going to hide in my house. You know how many people I run into that are hiding in their houses now? They're not going to church. 50% of the church didn't come back. Now, I believe that's God's doing. He's stuck in his sword. He divided the sheep and the goats. Many people won't come back because they're scared to death and afraid to die. The very finish line that we're supposed to be looking for to be with God for eternity, to stand with him, to be with him, and people are hiding in their houses instead of being witnesses. 
I'm not shaming them. I'm not making them feel guilty. I'm telling them they're being deceived. The very thing that God said don't be. Because now they're not telling anybody anything except for political news. And how they're going to hide in their houses. And I'm just not going to get involved in nothing. We're still called to save souls. Run out of time. Listen, why are we looking up? Why are we lifting up? Because your redemption draws near. Wait a minute, I've already been redeemed. Salvation's in three parts. You're saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. See, God sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1.14, when you believe the gospel, you're sealed. How many of you paid earnest money on a house? Do you own it yet? Do you have the title deed yet? Is it yours yet? No, but you put money down on it, you're living in it, and you're paying the bank for it. You're not going to get the title deed for quite a while. Jesus sealed us, and he's coming back to fully redeem us, to finish what he purchased. He's going to finish what he purchased. He put it all down. But he's not going to, no, you're not going to escape if you're not following him, man. If you're not obeying him, I don't see you escaping. Because listen, how can the God of the universe be in your heart and you have no motivation to follow him? When all of redemption is to give you a new nature, a new heart, a new life, a new and living way. It's to lead you out of the house that's on fire. That's the salvation. To quit believing the lie. To quit being deceived. And yet we go, I said a prayer and we run right back into the fire. I'm going back in there. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, really, it's funny, but it's, it's, it's demonic. And we all stumble in some ways. We're not perfect, but is the motivation of our heart to give all or just give out of our abundance if I feel good, but if not, I'm going to sort my socks. Listen to me. This is a serious, serious thing. God is not looking for per perfect people. He's looking to perfect people. But we have to be moving in the right direction and not deceiving ourselves as many do, and they're still living in the world, but they think that they're okay because they're listening to people, they're going after people that preach a fleshly, crossless gospel. A crossless gospel. And they continue living their own life. If you're reading with us, we just read this. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. It restrains us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, we regard no one as flesh and blood anymore. Listen, we're not even supposed to be living for ourselves, but we're like, well, I don't have time. Well, I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. Wait a minute. We're not even our own. We've been bought with a price. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. We're supposed to be covered in the blood and the Spirit living through us and leading us and guiding us, directing us in life. And we're like, nah, I don't want to do that. What does God want? He wants us to watch, therefore, and pray 
that we would be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass <coughs> and to stand before the Son of Man. Listen, one day every knee is going to bow. But will we be standing? Standing is now. Same word, histamized, used three times in Ephesians 6 about our position of standing in victory because we have the Spirit of God in us. We're standing now, breathing air from heaven, handing out the spoils of redemption, but our redemption draws nigh. We're supposed to be looking up. We're supposed to be looking, lifting up our heads because he's coming. Look in the clouds. Remember, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing? The same Jesus will come in like manner. The same way he just ascended into heaven, he's coming back again in the clouds and great glory. Power. Then he spoke a parable. I'm trying to get to it, guys. We still got a few verses. Then he spoke to them a parable. And he said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, when they're blossoming, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. Notice he says near when they start blossoming. Fruit's not ripe yet, but it's almost ripe. It's blossoming. It's budding. It's beginning to grow. Same thing he just said, but now he's given us a parable to understand it, which is just a figure of speech. It's something laid along. Para means something laid alongside. Holy Spirit is the, the paracletus, one who comes alongside to help. It's a fictional narrative uh, of something common in life that you can look at, just like the vine. Jesus is not a real vine, but he says, I am the genuine vine. Uh, it conveys a spiritual or moral truth for us. But it's fictitious. But it tells us a lot more about the kingdom of God. So he says, look at these trees. And when you see them budding, you know that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, all the things we're talking about, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away, perish, till all things take place. How much is all? Get a calculator. All the things will be taking place. All the vengeance, everything's going to be taking place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now let's do a Bible lesson, okay? Because Israel is the fig tree. Israel that was scattered to all nations, never before, never on the face of the earth, no people ever scattered everywhere by God who prophesied he would bring them all back. Never has that ever happened. But they blossom, they begin to bud May 14th, 1948. The fig tree began to bud. So we know it's near. Listen, he's given us a parable. This is not a real tree. This is a parable. It's a spiritual truth that you can see. It's laid alongside so you can understand what's going on with the rest of the text so that you're not deceived. Right? And he says the generation that sees that, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. So think about 200 years ago when people were teaching the Bible and they had no idea what was going on. But there's people that would teach the Bible that somehow God's going to bring Israel back. Because, and they would teach that. Other people, they came up with what's called replacement theology. And they made the church Israel. And then they apply all the promises, which you can't do. They're separate entities. They're separate. 
People have to come to Jesus now. We call them Messianic Jews when Jews come to Jesus. They believe in the Messiah. Let's look at um, Genesis 15. See, because you have to know what a generation is. And this word is first used when it talks about uh, from Abraham to uh, David is 14 generations. From David to Jesus is 14. I mean, and it talks about the generations. Well, I believe that a generation and the covenant number and in this number here is 100 years. My opinion. You know, no one knows the day or the hour, but we can see the signs of the time. We can know when it's near. We can know that the fig tree has blossomed. Genesis 15, I'd love to teach the whole chapter to you. I don't know if you know it, but it's where God ratifies the covenant with Abraham. Abraham believes God. Watch this, 15, let's do it, let's do it really fast. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid. What are they trying to do? Terrify us, they're making us afraid. That's what he's just saying in this text. Don't be terrified, don't be afraid. Listen. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. He hasn't even changed his name to Abraham yet. I am your shield of faith. Your exceedingly great reward. This is your inheritance. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? See, and I, I don't even have a child. I go childless. You're making these promises, but I don't have any fruit. In the air of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Eleazar is, is a type of the Holy Spirit. It means one who comes alongside to help. Where is he from? Damascus. Silent is the sackcloth weaver. That's what Damascus means, the oldest city on the planet. Who's silent? The Holy Spirit's silent, but he's the one weaving the fabric of our lives together as we trust God. He's doing the work. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. He's talking about Ishmael. Later in, 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 uh, uh, the, later in the context of this in Genesis He's going to say, Ishmael is not the heir. You don't even recognize the flesh. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Remember, he's, he's a, 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 a hundred years old, and Sarah's 90. They're barren. They have no fruit. And God's making promises. You can trust God. He's coming. You can, you can be counted worthy to stand before the Son of Man. We can escape these things. Abraham did. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And if we look at verse 6. Look what man's position is. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. That's our. We're supposed to believe God. We're supposed to believe his word. Believe, believe on him. Believe in him. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldean to give you this land to inherit. See, God brought us out of the world to give us an inheritance. That's what he's doing. He's completing that. Verse 7, 8. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Notice the question is pointed to God. He looked up. He's looking to God. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. Then he brought all these things to him and cut them in two down the middle, placed each piece opposite the other, uh, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Listen, that's our job. Abram drove them away. When the birds of the air tried to, to attack you and your covenant and steal your inheritance, you, you submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee. 
Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Listen, he ain't got no children yet. And God's telling him, know certainly, just like he's telling us in our context tonight, it's, you can escape the things that shall come to pass. Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, Egypt, and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years, Egypt, and also the nation, the ethnos whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they will come out with great possession, plundered them, took everything, asked their neighbors. Remember, they paid them all that money. They were paid wages for all that time they served in 400 years. Now, as for you, you shall go to your graves in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. There's the promise. Josiah got that promise too. But now listen, verse 16. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Why did I bring you here? The generation is right there. Notice it, verse uh, 14. Afflict them 400 years. Excuse me, it's verse 13. Afflict them 400 years, right? And then what does he say in verse 16? Fourth generation. Now all you got to do is take that 400 years and divide it by four. He told you that a covenant generation was 100 years. So May 14th, 1948 is when it began to bud, when it began to blossom. Israel became a sovereign nation. And in my opinion, all things are going to, that are going to take place are going to be fulfilled within 100 years of May 14th, 1948. And we are now living in 2023. No one knows the day or the hour. I'm not a prophet. I work for a nonprofit organization. All I'm saying is is that we can see the signs of the time. We can see the whole world. These things are coming upon the whole world. Not on part of it, all of it. It actually says it up upon all the earth. Maybe it's in a minute. Yeah, it's in a minute. I haven't got there yet. Listen to this, though. Watch what happens. Because, see, God swore upon himself when he made this covenant. We can't keep our part. We have no ability to keep our part. So he's cut the animals in half. This is the way they made a gentleman gentleman's agreement one way was to put your hand underneath the thigh like of Eleazar which Abraham will do with Isaac and say promise that you'll go get a bride for me and he goes and gets Rachel remember it's chapter uh, 24 of, of Genesis he puts his hand under his thigh that's how they would do a contract here's a covenant they cut the animals in half they put them in a ditch and the blood runs down to the middle and they walk through the blood because there's no covenant without blood but what is that blood what is that that's the valley of the shadow of death where, where we're all given death, but God walks through it. And we're going to one day stand in the presence of Almighty God because of this, because we believe God, and it was accounted to us for righteousness the same way Abraham did. Look what it says, and it came to pass as the sun went down. I don't have time to go into complete detail on this stuff, people. Uh, it, that The sun went down, it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven, a consuming fire, and a burning torch, that passed between those pieces. See, God's walking between there. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates, uh, the Kenites, the Kenzanites, the Kebanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephamites, the Termites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Jerdesites, and the Jebusites. Listen, Abraham is asleep while God's walking through here. 
awake from your sleep, arise from your death, arise from the dead, awake from your sleep, and Christ will give you light. And then see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. So anyway, that's your 100-year covenant. I think that is there. I think it applies. I, 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 I know that there's people that argue and say that it's not true. So uh, that's my opinion. The generation is 100 years. If you took that with the um, if you took that with the Matthew 518 no is it to one is it no it's 117 Matthew 117 you get 4200 years for all the generations from Abraham up to Jesus um, I don't know uh, it says 14 14 14 that's 42 times a hundred uh, it could be they sometimes say that it's a 40-year generation. I believe it's 100 years. I believe we need to look up our redemption draweth nigh. Um, verse 34, Luke 21, 34. But take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. Listen, take heed. Pros caneo, pros echo, I mean. Not pros caneo, that's worship. Pros echo. Listen, echo is the word for possession. You need to possess this stock. That's what he's saying. Take heed to this. Understand this. Pros echo. Hold it to your mind. Pay attention to it. Beware, lest your hearts be weighed down overcharged, anxious, burdened, entangled, drawn away, deceived, heavy with weight. And car carousing is, is really strange. Carousing means a headache from drunkenness, from gluttony, from debauchery. And from drunkenness, which is methe, which means to be habitually intoxicated with anything. Listen, see, that's the culture today. Listen, that's the culture today. Even in the church. That's why we have 2 Timothy chapter 3. Where the church has become just like the world. Because they're, they're, they think that I said a prayer, I'm okay. But they're not taking heed. And their hearts are being weighed down with carousing and drunkenness. And, and the cares of this life. Pursuing the things of this life instead of doing the will of God, which is to be witnesses so that souls will be saved. And the day comes upon them unexpectedly. Remember the parable of the ten virgins? The call goes out. Five virgins have oil. Five don't. Oh, give us some of your oil. No, unless we run out. So go and buy. And they go and buy because they're familiar. And while they're gone, the door is closed and they're locked outside. Because they're already pursuing and weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxiety and the worry and the cares of this life. Whole earth. Whole earth. There it is again. It's the whole earth. 
It's a snare, though. Listen, listen. It comes as a distraction of anxiety and worry. It comes unexpectedly, unaware, suddenly. And it's a trap. It's a, it actually comes means to occur or attack as a trap or a trick or a stratagem, as a temptation. For all those who dwell, listen to what this means, that reside, remain, and set down. Oh, really? Set down? Are you serious? Like this is our home? Setting down. What? Walking, standing, and sitting. Psalms chapter 1. Watch this. Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who, who stands or nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That's the sitting down. Down here. See, are we, are, we're supposed to look up. We're supposed to be understanding that our citizenship's in heaven. We're not dwelling on the face of the earth. It's those who sit down and dwell on the whole face of the earth. It's not coming upon us. Why? Because we're going to watch therefore, pray always that we be counted worthy. We're worthy in Christ to escape all these things that shall come to pass and do what? Stand before the Son of Man. Finish the psalm, Greg. Okay. But his delight, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, which he meditates in day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, those that are setting down, but are like the chafe which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. See, we're going to be counted worthy to stand. Because of who Christ is, we can stand. Because of his victory, we can scan. stand. Because of who he is, we can escape this judgment of those who are setting on the whole face of the earth. They're calling this home. They're pit dwellers. They're not declaring that they seek a homeland. They're not living according to being citizenships in heaven. They're staying down here. Are you guys with me? We're almost done. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, or the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's going to be a snare on the whole face of the earth. And then we come to our verse. That's why we're watching. That's why we're watching, working, waiting. Listen to what watch means, to be sleepless. Are you kidding me? That's why they make that joke, we'll sleep when we get to heaven. We're supposed to be sleepless, to keep awake, to be circumspect. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And pray always. It means to beg or as binding oneself to God. It means to petition or beseech or make request. We know we're supposed to be praying without ceasing. Why? Listen, this is a, it's, it's the same as the widow's might. She gave all. She's dependent upon God for everything. All of life and godliness. That's what prayer is about. Is being dependent upon God, letting Him change our desires and our ways.
and then be counted worthy means to deem entirely deserving. Doesn't it? To deem entirely deserving. Who texted me that? You, Dana? Did you text me that too? We talked about it though, didn't we? It means to deem entirely deserving. Why? Because of Christ. We're not worthy of our own self, but because we're watching, we're praying, and, and, and we're, we're, we're looking for his glorious appearing. We understand our identity. And we're worthy because of who he is. It's not one prayer. And we're counted worthy to what? Escape. I believe that's a rapture. Pretty simple, really, when you're looking at it. It means uh, uh, to flee out, to seek safety in flight. That's what it means. It, I think it's the rapture. Worthy to escape. We're going to escape. Flee out. I'm looking for this word. Where's it at? Uh, snatch us out. It's uh, Hebrews 2, 3. I want to look at this for some reason. I know what it says, but I don't know why I'm looking at it. Nautical term. Oh, yeah. Escape is used in Hebrews 2, 3. Listen to this. For if the word spoken to angels, Hebrews 2, 2, proves steadfast and every transgression of disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape? How shall we flee the judgment if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, the witnesses, their bearing witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. How can we neglect it? It means to be careless, to make light of it. It means to have no regard for it. See, that's what we're supposed to be doing with watching. We can't neglect this salvation. It's to be walked out. It's a race we're running. First usage is in Matthew 22, 5 of neglect. The word neglect. I have to take you here. You guys will get out of here soon. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm and another to his own business. Now listen, this is another parable. Look at one. Jesus answered and spoke to them again parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. And again he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted cattle. They're killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it. They neglected it. They didn't do what he was instructing them to do. They didn't come. Oh, you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. They did what they wanted to do. They made up their own gospel, their own religion. They listened to deceivers. They come after in, in Jesus' name and said that they were from God. And they followed them because it fit the flesh instead of what God was doing. So we're supposed to watch, therefore, and pray always that we may be counted worthy, worthy in Christ. We're not supposed to be neglected to escape 
rapture, all these things that will come to pass, they will come to pass, shall be about to be, shall begin. We know they're near. We see all the signs. And then what? Stand. Just like we just looked at in Psalms 1. Stand. Histomai. Before the Son of Man. Messianic term for Jesus the Messiah. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple. By night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you want to hear him? Are you looking to hear what the Spirit would say to the church so he can do a heart surgery on us and prepare us so that we'll give everything, not out of our abundance. I got some left over. I got some more time this week. I think I'll sit down and read. I think if I get a moment, I might. First fruits. God wants us first. He gave his firstborn. For us. If you want to do some homework, you can go look at uh, Revelation 1 through 5. First three are on the church, tells you about the churches, the church ages. Uh, chapter 4 is the rapture of the church. Uh, I mean, it's so amazing. I just don't have time to cover this with you guys. But if you look at chapter 4, even the trumpet is, it said the trumpet spoke to them. The trumpet is God's voice. The trumpet, First Thessalonians says, and the trump will sound in the voice of an archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive remain will meet the Lord in the air, and thus we'll be with him always. But he tells John, come up here. And then for five, for four and five, they're right there in the presence of the Lord. And then six starts the, the seals, the judgment of God, that we're going to be escaping because we're going to be in heaven when chapter six starts and the seals start. And all the way through, really all the way through 6 through 18, actually really the church is not even mentioned other than being in 4 and 5. It's not the church isn't mentioned anymore. It's, you're standing there with all the elders and with all, everybody's standing there. And, uh, but, but there's a, at least 6 through 18 that the church is not mentioned at all. And then we're going to come back with Christ at the end of the that's the second coming at the end of the tribulation period. But the most important thing, that's your homework, you can read four and five uh, and glance at six, but the most important thing is do not be deceived. How are we living? What are we giving? Out of our abundance? Or are we giving all? Are we surrendering all? Are we saying, Lord, take it all? Or we can count it all as dung that we might obtain Christ as Paul did. Are we understanding that we can be deceived just like anybody else? Listen, nobody, unless you're home with the Lord, you can be deceived. Because we chase after the own dictates of our hearts instead of God. So we have to stay in his presence. We have to watch, therefore. We have to pray always. I mean, we're privileged to, but I'm telling you to keep yourself safe. Work on your marriage with Christ. Work on your relationship. Learn to hear his voice and articulate truth. Learn to be led by the Spirit of God. 
So you won't stay in that place for too long where he doesn't want you to be. And you'll repent quickly and be led onward and upward, forgetting that which is behind you. Oh, next week's verse. Now, I got to give you that, don't I? I almost, I almost started praying. We have to have next week's verse is 2 Corinthians 4.16. Second Corinthians 4.16. We just read this about three days ago. Listen, since we're watching and praying and praying always that we don't lose heart, 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's next week's scripture. 4.16 of Second. Corinthians. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that you would pour out your grace upon us and give us a desire, Lord, not to be deceived. Lord, there's a lot of things that are going to come upon the whole earth. We don't want to be terrified. We don't want to be motivated by the flesh or feeling or fear. We want to be led by your spirit. So we pray, Lord, that you uh, would instruct us and give us wisdom and help us not to be deceived. Thank you for counting us worthy because of your death, burial, and resurrection. And thank you that one day we will stand in your presence. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.